What up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. And uh, well, on this episode, we're going to continue our consulting work with uh, with the pack. We're going to take a look at the offensive line. Speaking of the Packers, we've got some names that have interviewed or will be interviewing for the Packers defensive coordinator, ones that have been reported out there at least. We'll go through that list. Uh, but first, we lead off the podcast talking about Championship Sunday, Chiefs, 49ers. That's the matchup for Super Bowl 58. You know, kind of going in order here. You had Chiefs and, and Ravens, uh, Chiefs. Back in the game, back in the big game, back in the Super Bowl with their 17 to 10 victory. They started out fast, Baltimore tying it up, and then, you know, Chiefs answering there. And, and you know, finally Baltimore's defense kind of locking down. But give that Chiefs defense a, a lot of credit, man. They held Lamar Jackson in check. They made things difficult on him. He struggled a little bit. Zay Flowers. Making a couple boneheaded plays. You know, he had the uh, taunting one after the big catch, which he was able to get it back. And then reaching for the end zone, fumbling, touchback. Would have made things incredibly interesting at that point. And then Lamar Jackson throwing uh, the late pick in the game there too. But uh, Baltimore not able to to get over that hump and get, get back to the Super Bowl, get to Lamar Jackson's. First Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey just continues to dominate. I mean, how do you sometimes let that guy just have free reign? How do you let 87, big old 87 for, for the Chiefs, just consistently go out there and, and dominate? I mean, I would think that I know it's easier said than done at a lot of times, but, man, it just seemed like it's like you guys realize who that guy is, right? You You, you realize who Travis Kelsey is, right? Maybe try to double-team him or, you know, do something. I know the Ravens play a lot of zone and such, but, man. And then you had Patrick Mahomes, who was just on fire. But give that Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo a lot of credit. And that's a defense that has a lot of young talent on there, too. I mean, they they won the freaking thing last year, and they had a bunch of rookies on there. And and second year, I mean, just young talent all across the board. And. Here they are again this year. A great unit. When you think about the Chiefs, you think about the offense, and you think about Mahomes and Kelsey and and Andy Reid. But that defense, boy. You know, I think if Steve Spagnuolo probably hadn't had a uh, a head coaching try with the Rams, since he interim there for, for the Giants after Ben McAdoo, you know, I... <laughs> He's probably getting a lot of looks at for for a head coach, but I think teams probably took him off the 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 you know radar because well he was a one time head coach for the Rams whether it's fair or not you know he was over there didn't have success a lot of people didn't have success with the Rams for for the longest time there but you, you can't deny you can't deny what Steve Spagnolia has done with that group. An impressive job. Absolutely impressive. And it just seemed like that game between the the Ravens and the Chiefs, to me, 
you could just tell the experience, I think, for, from the Chiefs really stood out. Ravens, some boneheaded plays, boneheaded penalties, maybe being a little too aggressive. You know, because you heard Romo talking about how Harbaugh had kind of mentioned, you know, we got to we gotta be aggressive and, and, you know, try to get Patrick Mahomes to think twice about running, but not too aggressive to where we're getting flagged. Well, they were a little too aggressive at times getting the flag there. But it just, it to me, I mean, even Travis Kelsey, you know, kind of it seemed like at times, yeah, he was jawing a little bit, but it was almost like he was, you know, suckering some of those guys into, you know, getting into a little verbal spats, and then Kelsey just knew just, little bit to back off and maybe force the the Ravens to get the penalty there. It just to me watching that game and seeing how it was going, you could tell what team had been to the Super Bowl before, has won the Super Bowl before compared to the team that you know was really trying to get over that hump. And when it was a tight game and close game and time was running out, you could see maybe that inexperience starting to Starting to you know rise to the top there a little bit with with the Ravens, and then on the flip side, the Nightcap. I mean, the Lions. Could you start off any better? Fourteen to nothing in the house of San Francisco of the Forty ers and then going into the half, you're feeling pretty darn good. All the analytics and and numbers are coming out about how Kyle Shanahan led teams can't you know statistically has shown they can't, you know, make those comebacks. They can't. The numbers don't look good for them. And second half was just a tale of two different uh two different stories there. 49ers capitalized on a couple of big plays, some mistakes by the Lions. Able to make the comeback and ultimately win the game. I mean, you want to talk about the typical uh, tale of two halves? That should be right there. When you look that up in the in the dictionary, in the sports dictionary, a tale of two halves, it should be that game. It should be that game. It was Lions first half, 49ers second half. And I know, and Tom, I, I you know, I know hindsight's twenty twenty. But if you're still listening, Tom, hindsight's 2020 and such. But what did you make of Dan Campbell's decision not to go for the field goal to tie it? You know, you got one side saying, I mean, it's how he's coached all season long. Why change? The other side saying there's a certain point, there's a certain time. And at that certain point in time, you know, 49ers were – we're humming, rolling along. You had a chance to tie it. Because if you miss that thing and the 49ers go down there, it's a it's a two two possession game. At least if you know tie it, 49ers still go down there, it's just gonna be a one possession game. But what do you make of the, the Dan Campbell decision there, Tom? If if you're still listening. Tom saying those decisions got us there, so I'm fine with it, but didn't love it in the moment. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Man, what a 
And I think, you know, too, when you look at the Lions, there's just a lot of talk about Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, going to be the new Washington head coach. And I think that's going to be a big loss for, for, for Detroit. I mean, they got a, they got an uber amount of talent on there. They shouldn't be going away anytime soon. It's going to be, I think, a lot of fun to watch Packers and, and the Lions for, for the next few years in this division. And, you know, depending on what Minnesota does with their quarterback position and such, I mean, you still got Justin Jefferson over there. Addison had a good rookie year, too. TJ Hawkins is a really good tight end. So, you know, you got uh, you got those guys there. But, again, depends on their quarterback situation. Chicago, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to draft Caleb Williams? They really kind of turned it on towards the end there. DJ Moore's over there. So this I think this division is going to be interesting to watch here for, for the next few years here. But – Lions, if Ben Johnson does leave, I I think that's a big loss for the Lions. And again, they've got a lot of talent over there, but you can kind of connect some of the dots when, when Ben Johnson uh, took over play calling, what was it, a couple years ago from, from Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn was the first offensive coordinator for the Lions, and then you had Ben Johnson coming in and, and you know overtaking play calling, then later on after the season was over with, promoted to the full-time slot of offensive coordinator, you can start to see that change there a little bit. And, you know, you put the right players in position to succeed. You know, for the longest time, it was like, hey, Jared Goff's going to be replaced. He's just uh, kind of a stop, you know, stopgate, fill in there for a little bit till we draft that guy. But Ben Johnson has done a fantastic job with, with Jared Goff. And, and getting him to play at an incredibly high level. It helps, you know, to have guys like St. Brown and Jamison Williams looks like, you know, finally maybe getting healthy to being a consistent uh, wide receiver over there. You pair him with St. Brown, you've got Sam Laporta, an incredibly young, talented tight end. Gibbs running the football there, the offensive line. They've rebuilt that thing over there. A lot of really good pieces, but I'll be curious to say, or I'll be curious to see, if Ben Johnson does leave, where does that who does who does Dan Campbell look at to, to fill in that spot? Because I think that's a potentially a big loss. A big loss for for the Lions. To have that play caller that just understood how to put his guys, his players in a position to succeed. I'll be curious to see who who he's going to put in that role, how he fills that role. I think that's going to be a big one. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean Ben Johnson is going to go on and, and be a great head coach. We don't know that. Some guys are just better at coordinating and than they are at head coaches, but he has been so, in my opinion at least, instrumental to that, to that Lions offense that if he does go and he takes that Washington job or if Washington offers it to him and he takes it, I think that's going to be a Big loss for the Lions and kind of a big-time hire for, for D.C., Motor City, D.C., to try to figure out and, and fill in that role over there. But, yeah. There you have it, though. Kansas City versus the 49ers. Early thoughts? Who you got uh, in this game? Who are you going to pick in this game? I'll tell you right now, my first early thoughts, just very generic, I might have to roll with Kansas City. They just seem to be playing a little. I mean, San Francisco digs themselves in a hole 
again, I don't know if they can climb out of that against a team like, like Kansas City. I don't know if they'd be able to do that. So right now, it's not my official pick. Not my official pick by any means. But if I were to pick a team right now for Super Bowl 58 to win it, I think i got to go Kansas City. Okay, let's uh, take a quick break here, and I want to chat a little bit about uh, the names that have been attached or reported, I should say, reported to have interviewed or will interview for the Packers defensive coordinator position. One everybody knows. Few other ones, couple other ones here that uh, a lot of fans are probably saying, uh, who? So let's hit that up coming up after this quick break. It's that time of year where we may be stuck indoors for a bit, so you need to make sure your pantries, fridge, and freezers are fully stocked. How do you do that while also saving some money? Easy. Just shop at hy V in Eau Claire. Whether it's stocking the pantry with soups or dried goods, or loading up the deep freezer with pizzas and frozen foods, hy V has the best selection to help keep you stocked during the winter months. And with their hy V perks, you'll save money at the register and the gas pump. Stock up on your favorite grocery items and save money with hy V in Eau Claire. Let's kind of give you an update on where this defensive coordinator position search is at right now. Uh, because you, you started to hear some more names on Friday. Friday and, and Saturday were, were kind of the two days that you started like, okay, hitting the ground running here. So when we shut the mics off on Friday, news dropped that Brandon Staley had interviewed or was interviewing for the defensive coordinator position for the Packers. That's a name you know. Former Chargers head coach, was the Rams defensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl. He runs a similar scheme as Joe Barry. So, I mean, if Matt LaFleur is looking for something similar, is a Vic Fangio, worked under Vic Fangio, so he's a Vic Fangio disciple. So if, if he's looking for something similar to that, Brandon Staley would be an option. However, I think when you look at his Chargers teams, it's safe to say that the defense underwhelmed despite their talent. Now, was that because of his play calls on defense or was it because being distracted, also being a head coach over there? Could be different, you know, could be either one of those or both of them out there. But to me, Brandon Staley is the name that I feel like a lot of Packers fans, when they hear that as a potential, that might be one of the names that doesn't really get them excited because of what he did with the Chargers as a head coach. Maybe I'm I'm speaking out of turn there, but I feel like that would be a name like, oh, but look what he did with the Chargers. And, oh, similar stuff to Joe Barry. Do we really want that? Feel like that's that that would be one of the names out there that wouldn't get a whole lot of fans pumped up or excited. Now the other three are three names that initially for if you're I mean if you were reading all the blogs as soon as Joe Barry was fired I mean I think everybody either had a podcast we were one of them I mean I'm not making one of them because I, I I did it too but you had blogs you had articles you had podcasts saying here's a watch list. I don't think I saw one, one, with any one of these three guys on here. But that doesn't mean that they're like, what the heck is Matt LaFleur doing? Because these guys also got coordinator interviews with, with other teams, too. It's just these weren't very popular names out there. So let's start with 
Bobby Babich, linebackers coach for the for the Buffalo Bills. He was a former safeties coach for, for the Bills. Started off as an assistant defensive backs coach. Uh, he is got some lineage. His his dad um, was uh, was also a defensive coordinator in Chicago and Jacksonville at the NFL level. So he's got a little bit background there. Doesn't have any coordinating ex- experience. He is not from the Vic Fangio style defensive tree. So you're talking about some new ideas, new philosophy out there. Kind of look at, you know, Buffalo's defense. Kind of, I mean, he's a Sean McDermott. Working under Sean McDermott, right? If you're looking at some of the numbers, the Bills' defense has been ranked in the top five for scoring during four of the last five years. That's one name that's out there. Another name out there. Aiden Durde. He is with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys defensive line coach since 2021. He was also with the Atlanta Falcons under Dan Quinn. Outside linebackers coach. Etc. Etc. Now he is an England-born coach who played in NFL Europe before getting into coaching. He worked, as we mentioned, with with Dan Quinn for six years. Six years total, mixture with Cowboys and uh, and Atlanta. He's got a connection with Dan Quinn. Obviously, Matt Lafleur has a connection with Dan Quinn, so he probably comes highly recommended by Dan Quinn. Matt LaFleur's former boss. Probably that connection there, too. You look at some of the defensive linemen that he's worked with, pass rushers, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, etc., etc. Again, a younger, non-coordinating experience, you're kind of hoping for some potential there. And then perhaps the one name that I guess if you were to just base it off of social media buzz or kind of the talk on on, on social media, this is probably the name that's maybe getting a little bit more traction. And I don't know if it's necessarily because Packers fans are excited about it or maybe a little bit nervous about it, but this is a name that seems to be getting a little bit more attachment to this uh, to this Packers opening, and that's that's Christian Parker. He's the defensive backs coach for for the Broncos. He actually started off with uh, with the Packers as a quality control coach back in 2019. So Matt Lafleur knows him. He's only 32 years old. Spent some time in the college ranks. He is a Vic Fangio type of. You know, coach also worked under Mike Patton when he first got to Green Bay. So he's got a little bit of experience with that. I'm sure teams are probably eyeing what he has done with Patrick Sertain, Justin Simmons, you know, the defensive backs there for, for Denver. Now the talk out there about Parker is that he is seen as this, I guess, quote, rising star in the coaching ranks. Kind of this young prodigy, if you will. Again, no coordinating experience, 
But, you know, he's worked under Mike Patton, Vic Fangio, Ejiro Evero, Vance Joseph, and he's young. And, obviously, Matt LaFleur knows him a little bit from his quick time in Green Bay. That's the name that seems to be getting maybe a little bit more buzz out there. And it's probably because of that, quote, rising star label, if you will. I think some people will see that and be like, ooh, let's let's jump on that right away. And maybe he could. I, we don't know. We, we don't know. And I'm not trying to downplay it or, or anything like that. But I think that's why a lot of or why that name is maybe generating a little bit more buzz, if you will. So those are the, the four known names out there that we that's been reported, that the Packers have interviewed, are interviewing for their defensive coordinator position. Again, there could be more. There could have been some that have already been done. It's just nobody knows about it. There could be some that's on the schedule. But if it were me, I think the urgency to make a decision or to find a defensive coordinator is going to pick up this week. And I say that because you're starting to see teams fill in their their coaching staffs. You're starting to see teams fill in their coordinator positions. We're going to have probably the final two openings filled this week. Right, We're probably going to find that with with Washington and, and Seattle. So they're going to be looking at their new offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, then those teams potentially who are losing some guys. They're looking to fill those roles. So if you want a bigger talent pool to choose from, that urgency is probably going to pick up a little bit this week. Now, I would assume, and I could I could be completely wrong in this thought process, but I would assume that eh, Matt LaFleur probably would do more than or interview more guys than just four. Again, I could be completely wrong, but I would assume that. I would assume that would be the case. Because this is a big-time hire from him. He's got to get this right. He's got to nail this one. There's, the expectations are bigger. They're bigger now. You know, the, the easy row ever one, I, I I feel like the Panthers aren't going to let him go. Even though they got a new head coach in there. It just because the Panthers continue to deny teams from from interviewing him. So I think I just saw, was it, uh, yeah, the Panthers blocked uh, the Giants and the Dolphins from from interviewing him. And Albert Breer did mention that uh, the Packers also, uh, he, he said, I'd expect the Rams, Packers, and Dolphins would all have a lot of interest in poaching him to fill their coordinator openings. Unless Euro gets one of these final two head coaching jobs, it, it seems like that. Maybe Carolina's kind of hell-bent on, on keeping him over there, so maybe you'd not take his name off the list over there too. But I think if I, if I was a betting person, if I had to go with my gut, I think we're, we're going to know who that defense coordinator is back into this week for, for Green Bay. Just going with my gut here. Now it's almost going to be like a little bit of a race to the finish here to make sure you get your guy. 
Okay, let's continue our consulting work here for the Packers. I want to take a look at the offensive line. That's coming up after these quick words. Winter is here in the Chippewa Valley, which means it's even more important to make sure you have a good vehicle to hit the winter roads of Wisconsin. Need that vehicle for this winter season? Look no further than Toyson Ford in Chippewa Falls. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV from their new or used inventory, Toyson Ford has the vehicle you're looking for. Making sure you have a good, proper working vehicle is incredibly important this winter season, and Toyson Ford knows that. Just give them a visit today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard and visit ToysonFord.com. I want to do uh, kind of a quick look at uh, our consulting series here for for the green and gold continues. So we've already done defense coordinator, and look what happened there. Joe Barry got let go. We've done running backs. We've done inside linebackers. Today I kind of want to look at offensive line, okay? Kind of looking at what this group did this year, looking at the future of this group. You know, Maddie LaFleur reaches out to us and says, hey, you, uh, you wonderful peeps in the seven one five. I need some of. I need your opinion. I need some consulting work done. What do you think about our offensive line? What should we do about our offensive line for next year? Well, let's take a look at this group. Zach Tom to me probably had the best year. That right tackle spot is one hundred percent solidified with Zach Tom finishing up his second year this year. He's the dude. He's the guy. They got that spot figured out. Whenever his contract's going to be up, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid as a top right tackle in this league. Elton Jenkins, Pro Bowl guy, solid season this year. Left guard, solidified. Now, left tackle, I think, is going to be a question, and and maybe it's not so much a question, but they just got to answer the question, is Rasheed Walker the long-term starter at left tackle? You know, at the beginning of the year, I thought it was going to be Yash Nyman as the long-term future starting tackle, left tackle for, for the Packers. I thought it was going to be him. Nope, not anymore. I think uh, he's going to probably be gone. Some team is probably going to pay him to be a starting uh, left tackle over there. And Rashid Walker and Yash were kind of, you know, mixing and matching, you know, trying to figure out who's going to win this job. And after Batiari went on after week one, it was like, okay, who's it going to be guy? Walker was the guy, and Walker got better. Really good at pass blocking. So for me, I feel like Rasheed Walker is probably the future starting left tackle for this team. And that's that's a question that, that Green Bay themselves is going to have to answer because if you're looking at a lot of mock drafts, I mean, because it's mock draft season. It's it's. I know we got uh, the Super Bowl coming up, but you're starting to kind of get you know ready for the draft. We got the Senior Bowl coming up for crying out loud, okay? But if you started starting to look at mock drafts, a lot of people pick in the Packers to get a tackle with their first round pick. And I feel like if Green Bay says Rashid is our guy for for the long term, they're not going to draft a tackle in the first round. I could be completely wrong. Maybe they go do that and just kind of, you know, prepare themselves. But I think right now they're comfortable with giving Walker that that spot. Which means Bakhtiari, and I know Matt LaFleur talked about you know not closing the door uh, on Bakhtiari but I think I think we got to call a spade a spade here David Bakhtiari with his knee they may feel good about it but do you feel confident about it can you feel confident about it going forward with all the 
the surgeries he's had on it, the draining of fluids. I know they're doing something different now, but can you still feel confident? And do you necessarily want to go into a season where you kind of have to manage reps and games with a with a highly paid left tackle, especially at the left tackle position? Do you want to go in like, hey, we're going to play in this one, but maybe not next week? I don't think you can do that. And when you look at the the amount of money you would save by moving on from, from Bakhtiari, hey, it's a big dead cap hit. I understand that. It's $19 million, okay? But if he's on this team, it's nearly 40 You're talking pretty much a $20 million cap savings. So I think Bakhtiari's gone. Walker's going to be the future left tackle. We got Zach at, at right. Elton's over at left guard. Now you got some decisions with center and right guard. Let's start with center, Josh Myers. It really felt like a lot of times this year that Josh Myers' best PR team was his own team because you you had coaches kind of singing the praises of Josh Myers with his play, how well he's doing and and all that. And then you had, you know, like the people watching games, like the analysts out there and saying, eh, pro football focus, like, eh. And, and he had some good games out there. I just think it was the consistency factor of it. Now, this might have been Josh Myers' best season, but was it necessarily a great season? Was it a good season overall? He's entering the final, final year of his rookie deal. I don't think Green Bay is going to be in a rush to sign him to a law, uh, an extension. I think he's going to be on the team, but they might bring in some competition. They may draft a center and have their future center kind of already in place. I'd be a little shocked if they gave Josh Myers a contract extension this offseason. Kind of like, okay, we're going to let you play it out, play for a contract. See what you got. And you look at the history, I mean, Green Bay's kind of not been shy about you know switching centers every few years maybe not you know to the favor not a favorite thing for for quarterbacks to always kind of switch and i know aaron Rodgers kind of talked about that like, hey, it'd be nice to have a center for a few years instead of every you know new one every year every couple of years but green bay's shown that they're not shy to you know hey we're gonna bring in somebody else so myers i think he's got one more year gonna play one more year don't be surprised if green bay maybe drafts a guard for their future little protection back up there. The the right guard now. You got John Runyon Jr. Okay, John Runyon Jr. is a free agent. John Runyon Jr. had a really good training camp in preseason. But in the regular season, had some issues. Ups and down. Sean Ryan was starting to get some reps. I don't think John Runyon Jr. is back. I don't think he's back. I think they're going to open camp with Sean Ryan as their starter, but I would not be surprised if Green Bay, in the draft, maybe targets a guard. But we know how they're off, how they like their offensive linemen, right? They like offensive linemen that will play tackle and guard, multiple positions. So maybe they identify a tackle in that first round or second or day two, but he's a tackle that can convert to guard. Playing those multiple positions. You play multiple positions on the line, you're already going to be on Green Bay's shortlist. So don't be surprised if they target somebody 
day one, day two, to maybe play or give Sean Ryan a battle for that right guard spot. Because I feel like if they were dead set, and, and Ryan was still getting some snaps coming in certain series, even in the postseason and such, but it felt like they weren't quite fully ready to commit to Sean Ryan to be that guy. I don't think they were quite ready there yet. If there was one position that I think that they're going to really try to maybe focus on early in a draft on this offensive line, it's it's that right guard. It's that right guard spot. And, you know, with Yash, probably on his way out, probably going to be looking for some starting opportunities, you got to find your backup tackle. Is that Caleb Jones? Could that be the massive Caleb Jones over there? Do you try to find that swing tackle that, you know what, if your starting left tackle goes out, you put him in there, oh, nope, it's your starting right tackle, you can put him over there too. They have to figure out who's their main backup tackle, left and right. That swing tackle over there. That is a huge position because you have one of your tackles go down, it kind of fluctuates your your entire line. I know they were high on Luke Tenuta in the preseason training camp. Got hurt. Maybe they still view him as a possibility over there. You know, is this going to be the end of Royce Newman, the the, the Royce Newman era for for the guard? I think so too. I think you're going to see a few new guys on that offensive line for for Green Bay next year. Yash out. Royce Newman potentially out. John Runyon Jr. out, David Bakhtiari out. You're talking three to four offensive linemen who have logged some significant snaps for Green Bay over the years. Going to be out. Look for Green Bay to really address the offensive line in this draft. Maybe not a tackle right away like a lot of the, the mocks have them, but potentially a day two. Heck, maybe maybe they still view as I I I I'd struggle to see them moving Zach Tom to a guard, and I know he's played some snaps over there at guard. But oof, I think you got to keep him over there, and maybe you know what? Maybe they just keep Royce Newman for another year as a backup because he is under contract and he's kind of fairly cheap. He's got a cap hit of one point two million dollars. Played a lot of snaps. Let's just keep him on the roster. That would maybe kind of help a little bit with the depth there. But i i would be I would be expecting Green Bay to pick up a couple, at least a couple of offensive linemen in this year's draft. But for now, I think you go into twenty twenty four with Walker as your starting left tackle. You you shake the hand of Dave Bakhtiari and you say thank you for your wonderful years of service. Best of luck on your future. We just can't with that cap hit. And with your uncertainty with your knee, we just can't take that risk. You got Elton over at the left side. Meyer's probably in his final year at center. Right guard's probably open. Sean Ryan maybe the leader right now. And then Zach Tom holding the fort down at uh, at the right tackle position. That's and then you gotta figure out your is Caleb gonna be your main backup swing tackle? He's a big dude over there. Could he be that guy? They like him a lot. Could there be somebody else that they target in a draft and then maybe targeting another interior lineman, center, guard in the draft as well to get that depth back up there? Because there could be some moving guys. There could be guys 
you know, lost via free agency. John Runyon and Yash, a couple of them right there. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Again, big thanks for tuning in and checking us out. And if you haven't already, click that follow and subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And be a friend, tell a friend. Give us a five-star rating, positive review, like on Apple and five-star rating on Apple and Spotify so others can find the podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.